host, Tara Murphy. In this podcast series, we will be having real discussions about advocating for children with special needs and learning disabilities. With me today is my guest, Stu Chaffetz, father to a child with autism who took matters into his own hands when a problem occurred. Thank you for joining me today. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. What kind of education was your son receiving in school back in 2012? Well, one of the things that I learned from the audio was that he wasn't getting much of an education. Um, in addition to the uh, verbal abuse and torment he was suffering, it was clear that they had been lying to me about a number of things. And it's almost, you know, not, I can't understate uh, how bad that classroom was in every way. Again, the biggest issue was that they were hurting uh, an innocent young boy and leaving some pretty deep scars from that abuse. I mean, it was abuse. And clearly he wasn't learning either. You know, you know, they would be all smiles and everything's great to my face. But as we learned, as I learned when I was listening to it, you know, in the middle of the classroom, they would say terrible things about my son and me uh, in front of him. So it was, it was really like the darkest time for, for my son and for me, just knowing that, you know, as a parent, you, you never want your child to be hurt. And when you realize that they are being hurt, it's devastating. It absolutely is. It was very difficult for me and the rest of the public to listen to what was going on there and how they were talking in front of your son and his classmates. And knowing that, thought that they would get away with that because their class of children didn't have the communication skills at the time to go and tell their parents what was going on. And it's heartbreaking and horrifying. And it happens every day. Um, you know, that was eight years ago. And I still, I mean, it's a little less because I think uh, my video and the Facebook, uh, you know, promotion of it uh, isn't as much as it used to be, but I still get contacted from parents who tell me, my child is being abused and, you know, what can I do? And, it's, I, you know, when, it, when my video first came out, I think the thing that made it unique was that there weren't a lot of parents speaking out publicly about this. There were a few. But what happens is, is that the school system will usually step in and uh, these things are kept quiet. I mean, I can tell you that I've had so many people after me reach out saying they recorded things that were much worse, but they never made it to the media because there were deals cut with the school administration and that. So no one should think that these things never happen. They happen all the time. I mean, I had a, a teacher who was a bully when I was a little kid. Uh, the difference was I could stand up for myself and, uh, you know, my son and all those kids weren't. And the other thing to realize is that, it, you know, they say it takes a village to teach a child, well, you know, that same village could destroy a child because every adult who walked in and out of that room or was in that room, they all saw what was going on. No one said a word. No one tried to stop it. And those were innocent children. So it, it was, uh, and I, in a way, I say I'm fortunate because I have been an activist since my early 20s. So I have not been afraid to speak out publicly and about many issues. I've been an activist trying to protect animals. So I, when, of course, I saw what was happening to my son, and then I knew I needed to find out. And then speaking out about it wasn't an issue for me. It was just coming up with the right plan and figuring out how to do it. And I know many parents don't have that same experience, but my message to them would be, if you think there's something wrong 
going wrong to your child in your in their classroom, don't sit idly by. Don't waste a minute. Do whatever you have to do to find out what's going on because the worst case scenario could be happening. And you're the only person who will protect your child is you. The school system doesn't care. They're out to protect themselves. The PTAs don't care. They're out to protect, you know, they want themselves to look good. And I'm talking about from personal experience. You know, some of the people who hated the fact that I did this were like the local PTA. There was a, a person who run that who was outraged that I would dare say something bad about a school system. Uh, the teacher unions obviously hated me because I exposed, uh, you know, how they were protecting bad teachers. So, you know, you have to be able to, to go against that. And, uh, you know, in a way, I, I guess I was fortunate as well as I had millions of people backing me up. So I, I had that and I had my own experience as an activist and I had my love for my son. I was not going to let his abuse be quiet. And um, I would just say that to any parent out there, whatever you're doing, just remember, no one is going to help your child other than you. So don't, don't sit around and wait. If you think something bad's going on, trust your instincts and find out. Your child's life literally depends on it. You are the example of courage when it comes to standing up because you're right. I know a lot of parents who would be afraid to open their mouths and go against the tide or become unpopular. And I agree with you when it comes to your child, you have to, you have to do what's necessary. And if it means ruffling some feathers, then you still have to do it. Yeah. You know, it's hard because, you know, we all choose who we want to be. And I, I remember this one conversation, I'll probably never forget it with a parent emailing me about that they thought their child was being abused, but they were scared of being sued. So they weren't going to do anything. And then, but they kept writing to me and I was getting more and more frustrated. I'm like, do you understand that your child is being hurt? You think they're being hurt and you're worried about being sued. I mean, you know, that type of, but that's what the schools want. That's what the teacher unions want. You know, they threatened to sue me, the teacher union, uh, through a teacher. Like they, after, uh, one of the court cases where they got the, uh, through a ridiculous court case where they got the evidence thrown out, which is why the teacher got to keep her job. Uh, her lawyer wrote to me saying, oh, we're going to sue you if you don't take down the video. And if you, if you go actually go to my Facebook page, which is No More Teacher Bullies, it's still active. I think we still have like 30 plus thousand people on it. I wrote them a letter saying, I dare you to try it. And I released even more information about it. See, because they, they prey on people's fears. You know, they want parents to be scared. They want you to be afraid of being sued. Everybody. And I mean, but how do you look at your child in the face and say, well, I'm scared, so I'm going to let whatever happen to you continue. And it's, that is very frustrating to me. And, there are, and believe me, there are a lot of very courageous, brave parents out there. People, I think, much more courageous than I am because, you know, because of my loud voice and my ability to speak in public, I knew they weren't really going to come after me because I would have destroyed them, you know, in the press or wherever else. So I, and I also had the safety of the fact that, you know, the video got 5 million views. So I think the, the real courageous parents are, who are out there are the ones who don't have any support like that. You know, you know, I understand it, but that's what the whole thing about being a parent is. It's the choice you make, is that when your child is something going bad, don't fail them. Don't. Don't let them come back to you 20 years later and say, why didn't you stand up for me? You know, I needed you. And, you know, and people really need to understand that bullying or, you know, emotional torment 
has a really detrimental effect on kids. My son really was scarred from this for a really long time and with deep anxiety about things. And I think he probably always will be by it because it really does, you know, when you're young and you're innocent, and especially a child with special needs, when someone's tormenting you like that on a daily basis, it really just, it has a really negative effect. And I hope that one thing, if the legacy of, of what I did and, and all the publicity is that, you know, there are people out there who realize they're not alone, that there are other people doing this, and hopefully that gives them the, the strength to say, I can do it too. And uh, it, it's just so important. I, I say it over and over again, stand up for your kids because no one else will. True words were never spoken because nobody else will stand up for a child and the system certainly doesn't care as I've also found through my experience. Yeah, and I'm sorry. I mean, it's, you know, you're not the only person, I'm not the only person, but, but parents all over the place um, are just, they get, tar I'll tell you what I really noticed before this happened in the, in like in 2007, 2008, I ran for the school board. I knew I wasn't going to win, but I was running on issues because I would see the school targeting who they thought were vulnerable to take away services, to deny services for their kids. And, you know, it really was in the end, you know, if you had a lawyer in your family, you were safe. If you were loud and annoying, you were safe. If you were a single mom, you were going to lose services. If you were, uh, you know, a recently naturalized citizen or an immigrant, you were going to lose services. And it was very predatory. And I'm sure it's the same way now that they would, you know, they know that there are certain people who they can't take away, you know, services or they deny placements or whatever, and they target them. And then there are other people who are connected politically. If you're connected politically, you know, an assemblyman or, you know, your state senator, you're, you're doing just fine and no one's ever going to hurt you. And I remember at the time I was running and there would be, there was some very prominent uh, person who had a child with disabilities at one of the public meetings and this was again before it happened with my son and I was speaking out for all these other people and you know she was like well I got all the services I need and I said that's because you're the head of the PTA and you know you're involved with all this political stuff these people here they work full-time they're single moms and their kids are getting you know uh, half the education that they deserve so it, it's it's an unfair system it's based on politics and uh, you know, the kids are the last thing that matters in school. And, and it's sad to say that, but it's absolutely true that the kids are the last factor in deciding things. There's all sorts of other factors first, and none of them are good. It's probably worse now than it was back when you ran for the school board, right. if it could get any worse. Oh, it can always get worse. Unfortunately, it can always get worse. And, you know, it, it, needs, it needs people to stand up. And back then, I remember there were even other parents of special needs kids who didn't like the fact that I was running and trying to bring out these issues because they felt it brought too much attention. And then when their kid got, you know, a couple of years later, when their kid got hurt by the, all the cuts made, then they said, well, will you help me? And I'm like, well, you know, I wish you had helped all of us three or four years ago because that's what led them to do this. As soon as they know they can take services away from one parent, it'll just keep crawling and crawling and they'll hire, you know, and here in Cherry Hill, again, this is going back a bunch of years, but, you know, they hired a guy for $100,000 a year to take away people's services. You know, that was his basically an assistant superintendent or something. 
And I kept pointing it out. I said, well, how about we just take that $100,000 of paying you and give some of these kids their services back? But that's just the way it is. And, uh, you know, but, and, and I don't want to sound pessimistic. It's just that, you know, this is life. Life is not fair. Um, and it isn't. We don't live in a fair world. But, and that's why it's so important for people who do have strength to speak out and to help other people who do need it as well. Um, because that's, that's how things get better. You know, eventually, you know, if, if we had the same resources and, and people involved as like, you know, the New Jersey Education Association, we could make the schools a better place. We could really help kids. But, you know, that requires millions of dollars and a massive organization. And, you know, I, that's, someone will have to come along with some deep pockets and do that. But that's really what's going to take. It's going to take somebody really strong with a lot of resources to step up and say, it's time to make the schools about kids and all this other stuff has to stop. But until then, it's going to be a fight. And unfortunately, many parents are fighting by themselves and they feel alone. And all I would say is, you know, I hope they realize they're not alone. There are many of us. I have spoken to many parents, as you have, who are other moms who are afraid to say anything and things don't get better that way. Yeah. And, and it's frustrating dealing with those people, but that's why the people who do speak out need to, you know, the fact that you're having a podcast, everything helps. The more people who speak about it, the better it is because that will help some other people eventually, you know, you know, realize that they can speak out too. And it won't just be one person in South Jersey, one person in North Jersey, you know, there'll be a lot more. It's just, um, you know, it's tough in many ways to do this because we are fighting a behemoth. You know, you're not just fighting one, two behemoths, you know, the school systems and the teacher unions, and it is a true David and Goliath, but it's not David and Goliath once, it's David and Goliath 10,000 times, and they're all fighting by themselves. We are. Just to go back in time and cover what, what happened there, your son was in a resource room or a self-contained classroom for learning disabled children when this happened? It was a self-contained autism class. So every, and every child in there had, were limited verbal. So none of them could talk about what was happening on there. And your son's behavior changed and you were concerned. So you put a recording device into his backpack. And when he got home, you heard horrific words being spoken in his presence. What was the reaction from other parents in the class of, of children who were in your son's class? Well, you know, it, it's interesting you say that. There was, because I had various r responses, and, and it was really quite telling to me this is why it's so difficult to make change. There was one husband and wife who I had known, and they were supportive. There was another husband and wife who looked at me like I had the plague. And I actually had run into them like at a soccer game or something once. And they, you know, would look down at me and walk away. And I heard that they were angry at me because I exposed, exposed this stuff. And that's, it's really kind of sad that, you know, I, I'm, I'm letting you know that your child was in an abusive room and you're mad at me because I'm letting you know that your child was being part of it and could have been abused on a different day, just not that day. So it was, uh, and again, that goes to the people who are frightened, truly frightened about speaking out, being different. They don't want to, you know, that gets pounded into a lot of people. Don't speak up. Don't be the, you know, 
the, the one, you know, who's fiery when everything else is supposed to be cold. Don't, don't make an example. I never understood that. I've never been like that, thankfully. But it's, it really was, you know, it, it really went from one perspective to the other that people who thought, oh, thanks for one parent, thanks for letting me know. And the other parent is like disgusted that I did. And that's their problem, not mine. But it, it, you know, it's the reality of it, you know, and there will be people who are, even if you speak out and, you know, you know, wherever you're doing, whatever issue you have, I'm sure there'll be someone who will tell you to be quiet and then just tell them, no, and it's not about you. It's about my kid. And I don't care if you hate me. I mean, I, 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 I say this, I was born lefty and my father changed me to be a right-handed because he, that's what, it wasn't normal to be lefty. It wasn't socially, this is all going to sound crazy in 2020, but in the 1970s and 80s, this is what they thought. So I'm just bringing that up that being different or, or not, not going along with whatever social, what other people think doesn't mean a thing to me because I experienced that in a weird way and it kind of forged something. Well, I'm just going to do, be who I am and do who I am. And I don't care what other people think. You know, I, I, a lot of people out there hate me because I fight for animals, uh, you know, and they're usually pretty bad people. A lot of people hate me because they spoke out about this and they're, a lot of them are pretty bad people too because they were protecting someone who abused the kids. So you can't even go down that path where you're worried about what other people think. And if you do, you know what I'm going to suggest you do? Go rescue some dogs at a shelter. You get unconditional love and then, and then it doesn't matter what anybody says about you because you got your dogs back in your mouth. Whatever, it needs, whatever you need to do to make yourself feel better speaking publicly or speaking out or becoming a pariah, do it because what you need to do is more important than any of that stuff. I'll never understand people who are afraid to speak up when something is as wrong as this incident was. And the, the aide lost her job or got transferred? She quit before they could fire her. Okay. So she played a game too where, uh, you know, she, her name was Jody Segoras. And so what she did was that she quickly resigned so they couldn't fire her. And again, which is ridiculous. How can, how can somebody be involved in this stuff, even get away without that public thing? But a lot of this stuff is also HR stuff in the sense that, you know, we can't talk about what happens to employees, even though they're involved in an abuse of a child, which is just, again, it says, are you kidding me? This is a school, it's supposed to be about the kids, but the kids don't matter as much as, you know, an abusive aid, privacy. Well, let me just add this also, because a lot of people, you know, what happened to the teacher, what happened was the school tried to fire her and they only tried to fire her because I created a big storm. Otherwise, I think they were just going to let it go. And the, her teacher union lawyer sued the school district to get my audio thrown out, saying it was illegally recorded, even though it wasn't. They went to court and they won. They got the audio thrown out because the judge didn't even know, like she said, I used a phone and I didn't. Like it was this weird situation where I knew that the fix was in before. So she got to keep her job. However, she was not allowed to work with young kids anymore. They moved her to the high school and they said that they had somebody watching her. So just think about that for a second. So the teacher to this day still, you know, I don't know if this day, I haven't seen her in years, but she claimed she was innocent. She never did anything wrong. And yet everyone involved knew that she should never be around children again. So what did they do? They couldn't fire her. So they had to move her to a high school where she would be watched. 
And that says a lot. And so are we talking, is it, this is a school system where children come first? No, because why would you let a teacher who everyone acknowledges should never be around kids teach in a school? I mean, it's, but that's what the teacher unions do. They, they've created tenure system, which is just so difficult to get rid of a bad teacher, even when there's evidence. Uh, you know, there's evidence. People can sit down and spend six hours with me going through that original day and you'll hear endless things that were never made public. So that's how, you know, that that's what we're faced with. But I always take it as a, as a sign that, that an acknowledgement that she should never be around young kids legitimized everything I said. Because if she was so innocent, if she was so clear and clear, well, why can't she teach little kids again? Because everyone knew she was an abuser. So, I mean, unfortunately, you know, to this day, I guess she's still, I haven't followed up with her. I don't know. I haven't spent quite a while, but I, from what I've heard recently, you know, a couple of years ago, she was still in the high school teaching, but again, there was somebody watching her and, and we have to pay for that. We are paying as taxpayers for someone to watch this bad teacher because they can't fire her because of ridiculous tenure rules. And that's reality. That's our school system in New Jersey. That makes absolutely no sense. Right. So I'm guessing you never got an apology from anyone. Oh, no, God. I got, you know, amazingly, I've gotten so many teachers apologized, even though they had nothing to do with it. You know, people would just reach out to me and, you know, meet me on the street. And I'm so sorry for what happened. But I think that says a lot about, you know, Kelly Altenberg and Jody Segaris and everyone else in that room, that not one of them had the courage or the deep, not courage, forget about courage. Because if you, anyone who abuses a child is a coward. If you, but they didn't have just the basic human decency, not even a sliver, to offer my son, not me, but my son, an apology. So if you think about it, well, it's not, there's no denying that he was abused because everyone can hear. And if they were, you know, really, I guess they, you know, again, I keep coming back to human decency. But then again, why would I expect people who abuse children to be decent? In a way, it was my own naivete that I, I was expecting people who abuse children to have that basic human decency, which Kelly Altenberg and Jody Segaris did not have. Even if they claimed to be innocent, you would say, well, gee, I'm really, I'm terribly sorry. This child who I'd been teaching for two years was, was treated so bad, but they just didn't have it. And uh, again, that says so much about them. It says so much about them and the other people in that room who came in and out that everyone else in the universe was apologizing on their behalf, but the people who saw it and who saw this innocent child being hurt just don't have any sense of honor. And I, and I, and I really think that, that I wouldn't want to be like that. I, I wouldn't, I, you know, I'm not like that. I wouldn't want to be a person who was filled with that much disease that you can't see a child being hurt and just say, I'm sorry you're hurt. But that's who they are. And you have to just kind of accept the fact that, that again, why would I expect someone who was mean to a child to want to give that child any kind of sense of, of remorse, to show remorse for just what the child said? You're so right. When your son was dropped off at the wrong house a couple of years later, maybe an innocent accident compared to the, the classroom incident, but did any laws change from that with the school bus training? Uh, no. And that was, yeah, we got, I got hit with a double whammy 
the, you know, first the incident where, you know, he was abused in his classroom. And then I guess it was like a year later, the bus, it's not just that they dropped him off the wrong house, but the aide on the bus brought him into that house and led him there. And I had never in my life been angrier than that because, you know, anything, the most, I mean, you know, he could have been killed. He could have something worse, you know, something as bad could have happened to him. You know, you know, luckily there was an old woman who lived in the house and recognized him. But other than that, can you imagine, you know, just a day with people having guns in the house or whatever, just, it was really, really was overwhelming just how furious I was that that had happened. But unfortunately, well, I don't think there was any legislation for that. There was some legislation brought up for the teacher bullying stuff. But again, you know, I, and I had heard back then that the teacher unions were never going to allow it. So it was not going to go anywhere. But unfortunately, again, it's, it's a situation where the business forces, the bus companies, the PACs, whatever, who are sponsoring, they don't want these laws to be changed. They don't want there to be new laws. They want it to be business as usual, you know, as long as they're making money. You know, I, again, I release these things publicly because I'm an activist and I want there to be change, or even if it's the change is just that people are aware of it and that, you know, that you're, you're aware of what happens with things like that. But yeah, that was rough. You know, it was incredibly stressful dealing with the first, you know, the, uh, the abuse of him. And that was the worst to him, you know, knowing that he was in somebody's house that they left him there and God knows anything could have happened. That was the worst for me because he could have died. He could have been killed. I mean, God knows what, he could have gotten lost. There's woods back there uh, right behind that person's house. I mean, he could have wandered God knows where. So, but thankfully everything, you know, he was fine and he wasn't that upset by the bus incident, which is great. I mean, I was, as you can imagine, I'm sure you can imagine. So yeah, it's a stressful decade, but you know what? That's what, when you, you're a parent, you have to deal with these things. You never know what's going to happen next. No, you don't know what's going to happen next, but you are a true example of advocacy because you stood up for your son and I've stood up for my children and that's what advocating is. Not always fun, but we have to do it. Right, you're right. It, it isn't fun and it, it's hard. And, you know, I'm, I'm not trying to make light of how difficult it can be to stand in the spotlight, you know, especially if you're, if you get nervous about those things, but that's, but when you do, even though you're nervous or you're scared, that's true courage. That's, you know, all the parents out there again, who do that or are thinking about it. Fear is just the worst thing in the universe because when you're afraid, you let terrible, terrible things happen. And we, you know, this is something we've learned throughout our entire history on in human history you know, whenever somebody wants to go after somebody, they use fear. And whenever somebody wants to protect their interest, they use fear. That's why they, you know, there's threats about suing parents. And I'm not trying to make light of those things. I'm just saying you don't have a choice. You know, if you don't want to ruin your kid's life, stand up. And I'll tell you, there were, and, and if people who don't think these things matter, when I released the video, I got thousands and thousands of emails from people. And a number of them were from people who had been abused when they were children. And there was this one guy, and I think he was from Sweden, and he was 60 years old. He was in his 60s. 
And he said that, you know, this had happened to him when he was a child and no one stood up for him. And, you know, it hurt him to that day, decades later. And, you know, there were other people. And I, and I think I got a lot of, I got, I was, uh, people reached out to me whose parents were not there for them. And I became like this, you know, just, they were so desperate to see an adult speak out and stand up that I became like this avatar where, where they, you know, they, their own, they wish their own parents instead, you know, stood up for them at different times. And I'm glad that that was something that came out of this, that some people who had been abused saw somebody stand up and speak out and talk about loving their child. And, and, you know, it helped them because abuse, it really is abuse, bullying, and it really does have a very long lasting effect. And some people are devastated by it. The story gives us hope that there is courage. And though it's difficult that some people are willing to stand up when, when they have to. How is Akeen doing today? Well, you know, it's difficult to say how he would have been if he had not been abused because he does have anxieties on different things. It took many years. I mean, again, it's been eight years where he was really dealing with a lot of anger and emotional pain from this. You know, people who think that children with autism or special needs don't feel like everyone else are fooled because they may not be able to express it the same way, but they feel everything. And because they can't express it, it gets internalized a lot. So I know a lot of people say, oh, is everything better now? And, and the answer is really no. He, he suffered a lot. He suffered a lot and it cost him a lot. And, uh, you know, I, I, uh, he's not going through the same thing he went through when he was 13, 14, and 15, but it, it caused a lot of pain and we need to acknowledge that. And I think the reason why I'm even talking about this is so other parents can understand that just because your child can't tell you they're in pain doesn't mean they're not. And take it seriously. This is why you need to take it seriously. My deepest regret is that I didn't put that audio recorder in that classroom on the first day he was in there, uh, no less. That it took me way too long to put all the pieces together. That I went about it the right way for so long. Let's get into behaviors in here. What's going on here? So, you know, don't have that regret. Take action if you need to and do what you need to do, uh, nonviolently, of course, to protect your child. Uh, you know, whether it's an audio recorder or something else. And the technology today is so much better than what it was eight years ago, even. You can have tiny micro recorders that they'll never find. And if they say you're going to get sued or there's some states where it is legal to do wiretapping, you know, it's up. You got to make that choice. But I can tell you that even if it was illegal in New Jersey and if I was facing jail, I still would have done it. Uh, nothing would have stopped me from, from doing it. But that's my choice because I, I, won't, I don't want my son to be hurt. And, uh, you know, every second that he gets hurt in one of those rooms is a second too much. No child should ever have to sit through that. No, I know it happens every day. I mean, look at it this way. Let's just say just 1% of teachers are cruel and abusing their children. 1%, a tiny, tiny fraction. That still represents tens of thousands of children across our country 
who are being abused and bullied by their teachers. And that's only if it's 1%. When, you know, it, it, we don't know the real number because most of these things don't come out publicly. I remember when I released the video, someone, you know, one of the reporters said to me, well, we never heard about these things before. And I said, that's because nobody talks about it. If I didn't, if I didn't release my video, you wouldn't have heard about it either. You know, like, so the problem is, is that the default setting on these issues is, you know, it's kind of like the non-disclosure agreements that we, we hear about a lot these days. And that's kind of what it was. It's like, okay, listen, we'll put your kid in a private school. You'll get this. You want some money. We'll give you this. But no one says a word about it publicly. And, and you know, because the schools want to protect their, you know, how they look. They want to look, hey, we're great. We're great. We're great. No bullying going on here. Teachers, you know, want to protect their teachers. Hey, you know, keep it all quiet. Keep it all quiet. No one talk. And that only leads to more kids being hurt. Don't it be does. part of it. Just don't. Just fight. And you know what? If you're scared, you know, write to me. I'll, I'll talk to you. If you need a little encouragement, go. You can reach out to me at uh, Facebook slash No More Teacher Bullies. Maybe I can help you as I try to help other people. But you know, if you just need to know you're not alone, you can reach out. You know, if I can help you somehow, I will. But uh, or even just publicizing your story on the Facebook page. But it's 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 just as parents, if we don't stand up for each other, no one else will. And if we don't stand up for our own children and other people's children, no one else will. It is not fair. It is wrong that we have to do this. It's that everything is working against us. But that is how it is. And then we have a choice to make. You can be some. You can be a protector. You can be someone who chooses to be ignorant. Or you can choose to uh, be part of the abuse. And, and I'm, I'm just asking people to be a protector. Just be a protector. And the world will get better one, one case at a time. Stu, thank you so much for your time and for speaking with me about this. I, I appreciate it. Again, thank you for, for, for what you're going through. I know it must be very difficult. And, you know, sometimes we don't get the support or encouragement. So I wish you the best with your kids' cases and, you know, if I can help somehow reach out or, but, uh, you know, again, thanks for making a podcast and for talking and, and hopefully, you know, people will listen and we can all help each other make this world a little bit better. Thank you again. The Parenting Frontier is a non-attorney advocate group for children with special needs and learning disabilities. I want to partner with parents to help their children grow. The website is theparentingfrontier.com. Grow where few parents have gone before. I see through my own child's experience that meaningful progress can be achieved through hard work and determination. It is possible. Write to us at advocate at theparentingfrontier.com and follow us on Instagram at parentingfrontier. Again, the website is theparentingfrontier.com. Thank you for joining us today. 